Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer. And I'm so happy you're here. Today, I'm really looking forward to speaking with business coach and consultant, Amy Grube, about going solo. Amy's a big law-trained lawyer and former sole practitioner who helps other lawyers build successful solo and small legal practices. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Amy. Hi, Shelley. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks so much for being here. How about getting us started by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about your legal and entrepreneurial journey? Sure, I'd be happy to. It's it's a bit of a winding road, but I'll try and get you through the path. <laughs> um, I started my career, like you said, on Bay Street in Toronto, um, and I worked at a large firm as a summer student, an articling student, and I was hired back there. Um, I ended up moving to Ottawa um, more for personal reasons than anything else, but moved to Ottawa and uh, started at a national firm. And I was with that firm for about 10 years. And during that time, I worked with phenomenal lawyers, excellent clients. I was working on transactions. I'm a corporate commercial lawyer. So I was working on a lot of transactions that you'd read about in the news, and it was really exciting. And then over time, my personal circumstances changed. Um, I got married. I had kids. And working the way I was working isn't what I wanted to be doing. And I wasn't quite sure what else was out there for me. So I decided to take a leave from the firm. And I just needed to pause and take a few deep breaths and figure out what I wanted to do. Because when I was practicing, I was just so busy, I I didn't have time to figure out what my next step was. And so during that time I took off, I started an online business with a friend. It was not law related at all. We were a curated gift shop. And so we would sell handmade goods that other people made. I am not arts and craftsy. So Mm -hmm. I was not making them, but we were selling those online. And so As part of that business, I would go out to a lot of networking events, um, events for entrepreneurs, especially female business owners, just to learn about different aspects of running a business. And I, it just created this fire within me of being an entrepreneur. And it was just a really exciting time because being in a law firm, I never learned about things like marketing and SEO and different types of technology. And so it was a really exciting time. Um, so meeting all those business owners, they would then say to me, oh, you're a lawyer. Can you help me with this and this and this? And I wasn't practicing at the time. And then I decided, you know what? I can definitely help these people. So I hung my own shingle. I worked from home. I had a virtual practice. And this was all pre-COVID. And it was really interesting because I was... I had asked other lawyers who I knew not really well, but I knew a couple of lawyers who had gone solo. And I, I asked them about 10,000 questions about how to go solo. And I kept saying, where do you guys go to find out how to do things? 
and there wasn't anything at the time. So I started a Facebook group just as a place where we could ask questions of other solo small firm lawyers. And then from that, lawyers started asking me if they could hire me to help them go solo or build their practice. And so it just evolved. And now I'm, an, I'm not practicing anymore. I'm doing consulting work for other lawyers and law firms. So I help lawyers make the jump to go solo. And then I also work with small law firms who want to build out their systems. They may want to hire. Um, they may need some help with marketing and technology. Um, so that's the space that I'm in now. So it's definitely a winding road. And I never planned to get to where I am today. Um, I've just always followed my curiosity and tried things. And I'm really happy in the place that I am now. I'm very passionate about helping other lawyers build a successful practice. Fantastic. What a what a great story. Great, great story. And I love that you just sort of followed sort of your intuition. Where am I telling myself to go? And yeah, not getting constrained by outside factors that often I think hold most of us back from uh, yeah taking the leap, whether it's to go solo or do something completely different. So great story. And thank you for sharing that. You mentioned that um, you know you yourself had a lot of questions when you went uh, on went out on your own, and I'm wondering if those questions are similar to the types of questions you're getting now from your lawyer clients, and and what sort of some of the common questions are. Sure, I think at the time I had so many questions, and now when I work with other lawyers as well, they're in the exact same place that I was in before. And I remember feeling really overwhelmed. I just, I knew this was what I wanted to do, but I kept thinking about the law society requirements, accounting. Did I need to have like a certain business name? Did I need to register? There were, I just had so many questions and people I work with now have very similar questions. And they can often be grouped together. So a lot of people have questions about the law society. Um, they're worried that, are they doing something correctly? Is it not incorrect? And are they going to get in trouble with the law society? That's one of the really big questions I get. And really the solution to that is to read the rules and regulations that the law society has, but also they have a... I think it's a 1-800 number, but they have a hotline that lawyers can call and mm -hmm. ask them questions to get some help. And then another bucket is, how am I going to find clients? So I'm going to hang my shingle and then how am I going to find clients? Um, and so there are so many different ways to do that. And I think, you know, if, if the first thing you want to do is figure out what kind of clients can you help? Who are the type of clients you want to go after? And of course, I know a lot of lawyers are going to say, I will take anyone. Anyone who wants to pay my bills, come to me. And that's not a great strategy for you because it's really hard to market to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so I really encourage lawyers as much as possible to niche down or find a focus um, in order to, it just helps make all, make all of your business decisions and marketing decisions that much easier. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so on top of law society and, you know, marketing, getting clients type questions, I often um, get questions about almost the administrative, the technology part of things as in, in terms of like what email provider can I use? They'll often say what's allowed by the law society or like, how can I streamline my practice? Because so I came from big law. I was used to having someone do my photocopying for me, someone to answer the phone, like someone to literally hang my pictures on the wall. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm that person. And so I had questions and other lawyers have questions as well of how, how do I do these things? Like how do I need a huge printer? Do I need this type of technology that I was used to in big law? And the answer when you're first starting out typically is no, you don't need all of the bells and whistles to start your practice. There is an exception to that for sure that I can talk about, but in general, if you are starting out you want to keep your expenses low, bring in some revenue, and then you can start to spend money on the bigger ticket items. Mm-hmm. And the exception to that is I had one client in particular. She was at a large firm. She decided she wanted to go solo. And she, her ideal client were high net worth individuals um, who needed help with wills and estates. So these were people who have millions of dollars. And so she could not, those types of clients didn't want a lawyer who was working from home. They wanted a lawyer who had a great website, great marketing, great branding, you know, really presented as this lawyer for wealthy individuals. So for her, her process was a little bit different and she spent more money up front in order to attract those ideal clients. And I mean, that raises such an interesting point is knowing, as you mentioned, who the ideal client is and really focusing everything on that. And even early on, focusing your marketing efforts on either finding those clients that would be of interest to you. And I guess, I guess that's part of finding a niche. Um, but, you know, I've of, often heard that uh, lawyers will kind of find their way after they set up a practice, but it sounds like you're suggesting it's something that lawyers should do before they start up their practice. I encourage lawyers to do it before they start their practice It's a bit of a double-sided coin, though. Newer lawyers who are brand new from law school, who maybe haven't had certain experiences, for those types of lawyers, if they don't have a niche, if they're not sure, I would say try out a few different things. Try and get a few great mentors who you can ask questions to um, and put your shingle up and think in the back of your mind as you're doing different files and working with different people what type of work are you really interested in? What do you really love doing? And what are the files when you get that phone call, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be working on this. So keep that in the back of your mind, because that's going to help you to niche down. Um, The lawyers I work with are typically, they've been practicing maybe seven or eight years. So they have had 
some decent experience, they're starting to get known in a certain area. And so when they make the leap to go solo, I really encourage them to focus in on that particular area. So for example, one lawyer I work with, she, her focus is on regulated professionals. So when someone like a nurse or a massage therapist gets in trouble with their regulatory body, so the Nurses Association, she's the person who helps that nurse deal with that governing body. And so she can work with, you know, she can do all kinds of work. She could also niche down to just professionals. But what she's chosen to do is really focus her marketing efforts on nurses. Hmm. So that is very, very specific. And there are a few advantages to it. Anytime I hear of a nurse or something happening with nurses, I automatically think of this lawyer because there aren't a lot of lawyers who are talking about issues that are going on in the nursing industry. And the other advantage for her is that when she's creating blog posts, when she's thinking about speaking at events, when she is going out to conferences, she's focusing in on nurses and the nursing industry. So it makes her marketing decisions easier. It makes her business decisions easier. It just helps her to keep her focus and she can think in the back of her mind, okay, what do my ner- what are nurses going through now that I can write about or that I can speak about that's going to resonate with them? Mm-hmm. And she gets known as an expert in uh, in, that, in that type of work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, makes such good sense. I'm just wondering too about um, you know the types of clients that you said you've been working with most often. So. Are you not seeing any or many um, newly called lawyers setting up uh, their own practice? That's a great question. And there are a lot of new lawyers who are going out on their own. They're setting up their practices. And I think part of it is because of the pandemic. I think there's so many factors in why we're seeing that right now. So there are definitely a lot of new lawyers who are going out on their own. I'm seeing lawyers from all, you know, all different practice areas, all vintages who are going out on their own. Um, I, I take my niching lessons myself. So mm-hmm. my niche the area I focused on and the people I can help the most are the people who have about six to 10 years of practice under their belt and are ready to go solo. And I've definitely helped newer lawyers. Um, I find newer lawyers tend to want help with mentorship or actual help on actual files. So I'm not practicing, so I can't help in that manner, whereas lawyers who have some more experience are typically quite comfortable in their practice area and they they have the law down, but we are not taught how to run a business. So that's where I come in and help out is in running a business. And I do want to mention, Shelly, if anyone is listening who is thinking, I really need a mentor, I need help 
um, with a practice area or a question on files, like where do I go as a solo? That's a question I often get. Um, the Law Society of Ontario does have the coach and advisor network. And so you can be matched with an advisor and this is free and the advisor can help you on specific file related projects. Excellent. Wow. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Super helpful to know that. Yeah. And I imagine the challenges that new lawyers face going solo are different than those that um, the more experienced lawyers face. But I think the benefits probably are the same. And I'm wondering if maybe you can touch on that a little bit. What are some of the benefits of going solo? Oh, well, the benefits are all the fun stuff, right? <laughs> the, the f- when you go solo, you have the freedom to create your own schedule. You have flexibility. You have autonomy. You can work with whoever you want, whenever you want, from wherever you want. And the, you know, the pandemic has allowed a lot of lawyers to realize you don't have to work in a large tower on Bay Street. You can work from your cottage. You can, um, I know a lawyer who's working in Spain and you can work anywhere. And so there's just so much more freedom and possibility with being a solo. And also one of the things that I love to do is as a solo is just things like building my website or thinking about marketing and um, hiring people. One of the really amazing things I have found in my business is that I have been able to hire other people to help um, to help me but I'm also helping them because I'm helping them to support their family. And it's just a very empowering feeling to be able to give back to the community. That's another advantage as well is I could sponsor my son's hockey team, for example. Um, whereas before it would have been, <laughs> I don't think my large law firm would have wanted to have um, sponsored my son's hockey team, but maybe they did. I never asked, but um, there's also a lot more red tape to go through as well in the larger firms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who is sort of on the edge? They're not, not really sure if they should make the leap. Um, yeah. What are some of the I don't know, maybe it's questions you would ask them or things that uh, you would suggest that they consider. Yeah. So there are definitely advantages to going solo, but of course it's not all rainbows and unicorns. There are definite challenges to it. So I would want them to consider first, do they enjoy practicing law? Because when you go out on your own, you are on your own practicing law. And so do you like doing that day in and day out? And the other thing I would ask them about is the aspect of running your own business. Does that excite you? Are you are you interested in that? Because that is a whole other beast. I don't know if I should call it a beast, but that's a whole other side to your business is just running the business. So answering the emails and setting up a website and creating a bank account and making sure all of your invoices are being paid. I remember going for lunch with a colleague of mine um, and we were t- he was at a large firm and he said, I would love to go out on my own, 
but I would never want to do all of the operations administrative side of it. And that's a really, really big part of it. So I think it's great that he recognized it. And I think that's something if you're thinking of going solo to think about, do you want to put in that time to do all of those things? And of course, you can hire people to help you with those things. And I do encourage you when you can to hire people, whether it be as an employee or a contractor. But sometimes when you first start out, you don't have the revenue to do that. And so you are the one when your printer breaks, you're fixing your printer or when, you know, you need help with social media. That's another one too, like creating graphics or something on social media. You could be the one doing that. And does that excite you or not? And to really be honest with yourself. And the other thing too is you can always try. You can always put your shingle out, try it out, see how it goes. And if it doesn't go well, you can do something else. Um, I've tried a lot of things. I've failed at some of them. And I've just, you know, kind of wiped my hands and kept going. You learn from it and you keep going. But hopefully, if you do decide to go solo, you have the support that you need and it will be a really long, fulfilling career for you. Mm -hmm. And I really like that idea that it's not, uh, you know, it's not all or nothing, because I think that could be a real barrier for some lawyers to say, well, I have to be, you know, committed 110%. You know, could we sort of test the waters uh, and see? And yeah, for the sort of uh, typical lawyer perfectionist personality, I think that that, uh, that could be very reassuring. Something you've touched on a little bit um, is the use of technology. And I imagine that that is something that can be really beneficial to solo and small practices. And I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about, you know, what's out there and some of the suggestions you might have. Yes, I think I'm a bit of a broken record when it comes to technology, because I always say there has never been a better time to go solo than right now. And that's because of technology. In the past, to go solo, it was so expensive to pay for certain software and programs and things like that, that it, it was very challenging for solos. Whereas now, there is, are so many options and opportunities out there that it's almost overwhelming. Hmm. So um, technology is something that we should fully embrace. And I do see with some of my older clients, they push back a bit on technology. But once you've tried it, and you've given it a go, um, I think it can really, really help your practice. So something as simple as um, a calendar scheduling program. So there's, a, there's Calendly is one, um, Acuity is another one. And essentially what it does is it puts your calendar online and your clients can book into your calendar. And so the advantage to that is it cuts down on the back and forth of emails. So it's just so it, you know, it links with your calendar. You can, incorporate Zoom, which Zoom is another technology that I'm sure most of your listeners know all about as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that just helps make things more efficient. And then you have automatic reminders. Um, I am a consultant for Clio, which you probably know is legal practice management software. 
And I remember when I first saw Clio, I was a freelance lawyer for another firm and they were using Clio. And my jaw literally (laughs) hit the floor when I saw how automated their practice was using Clio. And so you can use technology like, um, like Clio and Cosmolex and different types of software to create workflows that allow you and other people on your team to know exactly what all of the steps are in your, you know, the things you do every day. And you have all of these template emails and it plugs all the information in. You're not typing out someone's name over and over again. And it just helps to make things a lot more efficient. It decreases the risk of errors. Technology has been a great thing for many, many lawyers. And I think um, one thing I do want to caution listeners, if they are thinking about going solo, is, and I did this myself, I thought I needed all of the things right away. And then when I started to put together my budget and looked at all of these costs, although some of them might be $10 a month or $15 a month, it adds up. And so I would really caution your listeners because you don't need to have everything right when you start. You don't need to go broke to go solo. You just get the basics. And then as you build your practice, you can bring in those bigger ticket items. Yeah, that makes really good sense. And again, that sort of all or nothing, um, black and white thinking. So just dispelling that, that, you know, we can take the baby steps. Yeah, excellent. That Clio software sounds super interesting. And I'm wondering too, something we haven't really touched on in a, in a lot of detail, but you mentioned at the beginning, marketing and as a solo um, practitioner or running a small practice, any sort of tips on how to go about marketing? Sure. Um I think when it comes down to marketing, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about really understanding your niche and who your ideal client is. So your ideal client is not, you know, it can be someone who was an actual client. It could be a combination. It could be someone you've made out, but it's someone that you want to be doing work for. And so when you're thinking about your marketing efforts, You want to think about that specific individual and think about things like, where are they hanging out? What are they reading? What kind of conferences are they going to? And then you want to put yourself in those spaces. And sometimes lawyers will talk about things like, oh, I need to get Google ads and Facebook ads, and I need to um, hire a marketing person and do all of these things, which you don't necessarily need to do. Because if you are speaking at the right events, if you are creating content that's answering questions that your ideal client is asking, over time, you're going to get to be known as that expert and you're going to be known for that work that you do. The thing I do want to say is that's a long game. So that's not necessarily going to get you work right off the bat, but there, there are so many different things you can try. There are um, BNI groups. I know a lot of lawyers have had great success going to those groups. There are uh, networking groups that meet regularly and they have certain seats for lawyers So it's really about where you can make the most bang for your buck because we only have so much time and we only have so much energy and we only have so much money. And 
a free resource that has been really valuable for me and for my clients as well is LinkedIn. Mm. So I don't have, I don't pay for a paid account on LinkedIn. Um, but there are so many people on LinkedIn and the stats are crazy about the percentage of people on LinkedIn who actually post. It's very, very low. So people are on there and they're watching. And so if you are comfortable posting on LinkedIn consistently without being salesy, I do want to mention that, but just providing help, you will get to be known on LinkedIn and in your circles. But of course, if your potential client or your referral sources are not on LinkedIn, don't spend your time there. You want to go where the people who are going to be paying your bills are or referring work. And if I can just quickly mention too, lots of times when you're starting, think about your own network. So your own community, who do you know who may need your services? And so don't hide and tell people, oh, I'm a lawyer. You want to tell them, I am a family lawyer. I help women who are going through divorce and help them navigate it with their kids or whatever it is so that that person knows exactly what you do. So you're not selling it to them. You're just letting them know what you do. But don't forget about your own close network. Rather than going out to the whole world, think about your own community and the people you already know. Great point. And I think that's exactly what happens. We forget about what is easier. <laughs> we think about we have to, you know, the harder it is, the better it is. Yeah, yeah. Great, great tips. Um, one thing I guess that's sort of lingering in my mind too is if you are on your own, how do you sort of take a vacation? How do you, how do you manage that? Yeah, that's always a tricky one. And I think as lawyers, we are trained to feel like we have to always be busy and we have to always be on. And even when I worked in a law firm and I would go on vacation, I was still checking my phone, even though I had a whole team behind me helping to support me. I I find lawyers just in general have a hard time taking a vacation, but we all know how important it is to take vacation. So There are a few different ways you can set yourself up. So yes, you can take vacation as a solo. Um, It's really important from a client perspective to prepare your clients for your upcoming vacation. So let them know in advance you're going to be going on vacation. You can either have one-on-one phone calls with them. You can send them emails. They're not going to remember the days you say you're going to be gone but just start reminding them that you're going to be on vacation. And maybe as the date gets closer, give them a quick summary of the dates and what they need to do. All You really just want to get them the message that they're going to be covered when you're gone. So how what should they do if they need help or you're on vacation? That's the main message you want to get across to them. Um, and then you also need to prepare your practice. So the way you can do this is... You may have a team, even if you've gone solo, I do highly encourage you when you have the revenue to do it, to bring on people to help you. And those people you're going to bring on are going to be different based on your needs and your circumstances. But if you have a virtual assistant or an assistant, 
they can help by screening your emails, for example, and then only sending you the emails that you really need to see when you're on vacation. Mm -hmm. There are other services as well. Uh, Flex Legal Network is another example of one. uh, It's a specific example of one where they have a roster of lawyers who can help out while you're on vacation. You could also have, perhaps it's someone you went to law school with or another lawyer you know that you really trust who is willing to step in for you while you're gone. So I think you can go on vacation. You just need to do some prep beforehand for both your clients and also on the practice side as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love the idea of the virtual assistant. Uh, Yeah. Oh, and so many great ideas. Uh, yeah, Amy, I'm just wondering if there's anything that we didn't touch on that might be useful to pass on to someone who's thinking about going solo, um, whether they're in the early years of practice or they're more seasoned. One thing I often um, hear from lawyers, and I experienced it myself, was I was worried before I went solo, I was worried about what other people were going to think. So I was concerned what other lawyers were going to say, what people I used to work with would say, what my family was going to say. And I hear this from my clients as well. They're just, they're worried about it because they, you know, they have this thought about where they wanted to be as a lawyer and maybe it wasn't necessarily to be a solo. And I really encourage lawyers to try and get out of that mindset and realize that, This is your life and your happiness and you get to choose what you want to do. And so if going solo is something that really excites you and that you're really, really looking forward to, I really do suggest, you know, you put on the blinders and you move forward and you do what really lights you up inside. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing is that you're happy and this is what you are choosing to do. So um, I would really say like, if this is something you want to do, go for it and, you know, see where things take you. And I, I remember telling a colleague of mine, I had been solo for maybe six months and we were out and she didn't know that I'd gone solo. And so I told her, and it was almost like I was like sheepishly telling her like, yeah, I'm solo. I said it really quietly. And so she's a senior partner at a national firm and she was so excited. And she even said to me, I wish I had the courage to do that, but I could never do that. And um, so you'll be really surprised if you do decide to go solo at how many other lawyers will tell you they wish that they could do it. And the funny thing to me is that anyone can do this. Um, It's just whether or not you're willing to make that leap or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as you say, really have that desire uh, to do it. So yeah, yeah. Great, great points all around, Amy. Uh, So how can listeners learn more about you and how can they reach out to you? Yes. So the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, So it's just under my name, Amy Grubb, G-R-U-B-B. That's the best spot. Okay. And you have a website as well. 
yes, they can also go. Thank you, Shelly. They can also <laughs> go to my website, which is grooblaw, G-R-U-B-B-L-A-W.ca. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, even if you just want to send me a message and say you heard me on the podcast, that would make my day. Excellent. Excellent. And I noticed you have um, a wonderful free resource on there. Five steps to build a profitable legal practice. Yeah, I do on my website. If um, if anyone is interested in that, it's a free workbook to go through and just think through some of and some of the things we talked about today. Some exercises to go through if you're considering opening your own practice. Excellent, excellent. Well, Amy, thank you so much. You've offered such wonderful advice, and uh, your excitement and enthusiasm is contagious. So, thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Shelly. This has been so much fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today on the Excel Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at XLLegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.